Today we're continuing our series on rootfulness, focusing in on generous roots. And in preparation for this talk, I asked some of you to tell me about uh, times when you have practiced or received generosity. And it was so encouraging to hear that examples came very quickly to mind. Like the couple who kept pouring money into an unreliable car because they simply couldn't afford to replace it. And a friend felt led to give them 15,000 pounds to buy a car that would provide reliable transport for them and their four children. A non-Christian couple just moved into a rented house and then both were made redundant at the same time. And a young couple in the church spontaneously gave them a thousand pounds. Or Clive and Yan Ling who led a woman to Christ and then helped her get back on her feet from a devastating season financially in a number of ways including giving her 900 pounds. Or Sam and Lucy who gave money to some friends who were in a tough season financially for a holiday and the recipients were kind of hesitant about that and and they said look it's God's money. Years later they themselves faced a season where finances were tight and those same friends then returned the favor uh, to help them have a holiday and reminded them remember it's God's money anyway. Or John, who received a letter from a debt collection agency for an outstanding bill, 600 pounds, on a house that he'd previously shared with a number of Christian friends. And so he contacted his ex-housemates and discovered that they had already paid the bill and anticipating John's tight financial situation had covered his portion of that debt. And he was blown away, not just by their generosity, but by the fact that they hadn't even told him. These delightful little stories are so inspiring and they are happening in countless ways among us. It's worth remembering too that there are so many hidden stories in the church of faithful regular giving. So many of you have been committed here financially uh, at the church faithfully giving perhaps a a tenth, ten percent of your income to the church. Now if you've been doing that for a decade, some of you for a lot longer, That's a whole year's income. And if you've been giving to building projects as well, it could even be a multiple of that. Unseen by anyone outside of the finance team, but without which the church simply couldn't function. God sees your standing order going out each month. He loves it. You may have a large standing order that just rolls out of your bank account. just happens automatically. But let me encourage you to stop for a moment and just consider the magnitude of that. You may have a large standing order that just rolls out. If you were to withdraw that amount in cash and bring it to church and put it in the offering basket, at least in times when we can physically meet, that basket would be full to overflowing before it got halfway down a row. And then you give to individuals, you give to other causes on top of that. That is incredible. That is radical. Some of you may have had conversations with friends and find them saying, how much you give what percentage of your income away? Are you crazy? Who does that? Well, the truth is that many of you do. I want to ask and answer a question today. Where does such radical generosity originate? It doesn't seem natural, does it? given human beings' inherent propensity to want to look after themselves. Well, the clue is in the word radical. That word is often used to describe 
someone or something which is extreme, which is extraordinary, which is on the edge. But the origin of that word is interesting. The word radical comes from the Latin radicalis, which means from the roots. Being radical is not out there on the extreme edge, but actually the opposite. It means going back to the roots, being rooted in the original source, in the absolute center. Radical leaves are those that begin at the root. For instance, the dandelion has no stem. The leaves and the flowers begin at the root. When you next see a dandelion invading your lawn, lawn you can point to it and say, that is radical. That reminds me of the kind of Christian that I want to be. Today we're continuing our series, as I say, on rootfulness by looking at what it means to have generous roots. Sometimes it can be tempting to see radical generosity as something that only extraordinarily passionate Christians live out, those that are a little bit on the edge, a bit fanatical. But I want to invite you today to reconsider that idea. Radical generosity is not simply extravagant, extraordinary generosity, but comes from our roots. It grows from our rootfulness. So where does radical generosity grow from? What is its root? Well, let's take a trip back together, back to the very beginning, back to the roots of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, the opening page of the Bible, where we read about God creating everything. Have you ever watched a David Attenborough series and found yourself astounded by the extravagance of God's design and his handiwork, the amazing life that God has created, like this sea slug known as a blue dragon? Who could imagine that a slug could look so magnificent? Or this mantis shrimp, which can punch with the force of a 22 caliber bullet. We find crazy looking creatures like this beautiful spider, or this gecko, can you see it? It's camouflaged so perfectly in its design. And our planet is full of incredible landscapes from magnificent rock formations to glaciers to the Earth's hottest place, Ethiopia's, Ethiopia's Danakil Depression, where seawater is heated by volcanoes and the salt reacts with the volcanic minerals, creating dazzling colors. God was so generous in his creation, and into this extravagance, he created humankind and placed them in the Garden of Eden, a jewel at its center to have intimate relationship with him. God is more generous than we can possibly comprehend. From this root, we see through the Old Testament generosity encouraged and practiced by God's people in response to his generosity. In recognition that God gave them everything, his people were encouraged to tithe, to give a portion, return it back to him. Just a tenth, a small portion. It's like you have ten fingers and all God is asking for is this one little token, a token of uh, acknowledgement of where it all came from and also of our trust in him. And God loved it when his people responded and faithfully gave that tenth. And he responded by showering blessing upon them. As well as regular giving, there were occasional free will offerings on top. And God's people really grasped the invitation to be radically generous. In Exodus chapter 36, we find the beautiful account of the people giving to build the tabernacle, the magnificent portable predecessor 
to the temple. Exodus 36, beginning at verse 3. So the workmen received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. The workers said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Moses had to command them to stop bringing gifts. No more gold, no more silver, no more cloth, no more precious stones. We've got enough. And uh, then we see when the offering was taken under King David, I'm going to change translations here to the message, to fund the first building of the first temple. He was just thrilled at how generously the people had given. And we find this in 1 Chronicles 29:14. But me, who am I and who am I, these my people that we should presume to be giving something to you? Everything comes from you. All we're doing is giving back what we've been given from your generous hand. God, our God, all these materials, these piles of stuff, I love that, stuff for building a house of worship for you, honoring your holy name, it all came from you. It was all yours in the first place. I know, dear God, that you care nothing for the surface. You want us, our true selves. These piles of stuff included tons of silver and gold, really valuable stuff. But generosity with our stuff is one thing. What God really wants is us. If he has us, if we are truly committed to him, then our stuff naturally comes along with us. As we turn the pages into the New Testament, we find straight away that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son, Jesus, and Jesus in turn voluntarily gave his life for us. Jesus said to his followers, freely you've received, freely give. The first church, where every church across the world has its roots, knew that Jesus had given everything for them and they held nothing back. In Acts chapter 4, there's a, a glimpse into how the first believers gave their lives to following Jesus and their resources came right along with them. So Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their, possession was their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And God's grace was so powerful at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. Wow. That's radical when it comes to selling houses and land. And then the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth about the radical generosity he was seeing in the Christians in Macedonia. And we find this in 2 Corinthians 8, beginning at verse 1. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. 
They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. This little passage contains some very powerful phrases, doesn't it, which we might be surprised to find mixed together. On the one hand, the descriptions of their situation include fierce troubles, pushed to the very limit, trial, desperately poor, pressure. And yet at the same time, we find an outpouring of generous gifts, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out. How was it that the desperately poor Christians in Macedonia would be so radically generous? Well, we are told in verse 5, what explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God. They were thoroughly rooted in God, rooted in Christ, given themselves unreservedly to God. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. Radical generosity is not about having resources that we can easily spare. It's not rooted in how much we have, but rather in who has us. As we just read in David's prayer back in 1 Chronicles, you want us, our true selves. The Lord wants us to choose to give ourselves unreservedly to him. If we do that, giving generously is a natural outworking of that. And the question for us all to reflect on today is, what have I given myself to? Material stuff or Jesus? In other words, where are my roots? What am I holding on to with my roots for my sustenance and my stability? In Matthew 6, verse 24, Jesus said this, You cannot serve both God and money. We have a choice. We all have a choice to serve God or to serve money. But Jesus said we can't do both. One will take priority over the other. So how can I make sure that I've given myself to God and not to money? Well, interestingly, Jesus answers our question in the very same passage in verse 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We develop a heart, if you notice, for things that we invest in. So supposing you buy shares in a new startup company that's selling artisan coffee, what happens? Well, you suddenly develop an interest, a heart for coffee, origins and roasts and flavor profiles. Supposing you're giving to help African children with AIDS. When you see an article on that subject, you grab it, you read it. If you've got a standing order to the church, you know that your money is being invested in all the Lord is doing here, and you feel so much more connected to the lives being changed through the church's areas of ministry. Do you wish you were more passionate about the Lord and about his work? Then invest your money there and watch what happens. Our hearts follow our money. In this brilliant little book, the Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn, Unlocking the Secret of Joyful Giving. It's a brilliant little book. It's a beautiful little book. It's a great stocking filler maybe for someone at Christmas, although it's pretty challenging, I have to warn you. He quotes in here Matt, uh, Mark, who gives away half of his income each year. 
Mark says this, My pursuit of money drove me away from God. But since I've been giving it to him, everything's changed. In fact, giving has brought me closer to God than anything else. Giving frees us from the gravitational hold of money and possessions. It shifts the direction of our roots from material stuff deeper into God. Because many of you have grasped this reality and generously give to the church, we have uh, been able together to be a place of care and healing and equipping and discipling and reaching those who don't know Jesus and ministering to people and wider society in so many ways. During this COVID season, we've had the resources to be able to pivot quickly and meet needs. We've been able to distribute over 55 tons of food to food banks across the city to meet poverty caused by COVID. We have for years responded to international crises, predominantly through Tear Fund, who are able to rapidly respond in, in desperate places through the churches in those areas. COVID-19 hit the Democratic Republic of Congo on top of an Ebola outbreak. And then there was a devastating explosion in Beirut. And so we responded as a church by sending Tear Fund 35,000 pounds. It was a joy to be able to do that. Many of you will know that we support Love the One in India, led by Cat and Mary, two doctors who were with us here at Trent some years ago. And we recently heard that they needed a Jeep. And so we immediately sent them the full 15,000 pounds needed to buy that, plus more to help meet the costs of emergency food distribution, the project they were setting up uh, quickly as COVID struck their part of India and indeed impacted more than anyone, the poorest of the poor. With schools closed, many having lost their jobs, they began distributing food to people who just had nothing. In intense heat and humidity, they donned their, uh, their PPE and the team headed out to the poorest villages and slums to give out food and to minister the love of Jesus. They've been regularly providing food for about 2,300 people plus about another 500 emergency cases and also providing education packs and toys. I had a conversation with Mary this week. She told me that since March the 30th, the team at Love the One have given out enough food, well, a lot of food, okay, enough food for this many meals, 1,731,000 meals. That is... Applause from the production, the hosts, and the one or two other people in the room. That is amazing. One and three quarter million meals. If you are giving to the church, you have paid for many of those meals. And lives have literally been saved because of you. Enjoy this last picture of these beautiful smiles. For some of you, this season has had an impact on your income. If you find yourself in need, please do go to that link trentb.org forward slash help and we may be able to help you with a number of things including practical support. The reality is that the impact of COVID-19 will have a significant knock-on effect on the church's income and while there are some savings because we're not able to do certain things there are also areas of increased expenditure. Now one huge hit 
has been that Trent Conferencing, the business that we run, which enables our facilities here to be used by businesses and organizations, essentially just stopped back in March. And the substantial amount of profit, which on top of our voluntary giving helps sustain us as a church, has just disappeared. Like all our income, we set apart 22% of the conferencing profit to help those outside the church. So the loss of conferencing income not only affects our running budget massively, it also reduces that set-apart money by tens of thousands at a time when the need is growing. Now, we're so grateful to God for the reserves we built up over the years to cover us for a rainy day. However, it's fair to say that a rainy day has come. And the longer this pandemic continues, it's becoming a rainy season. Our team are doing all we can to carefully manage our expenditure, but the reality is that we're heading into a tough financial season. And at the same time, we want to do all we can to continue to be radically generous as a church. I would seriously encourage you all to ask the Lord whether he wants you to start committing financially to the church or to increase the amount you're giving. And if so, take action on that. Do it this week if possible. You'll find all the details on how to do this at the giving link, trentv.org forward slash give. And if you do make any changes, it's really helpful if you could just email giving at trentvineyard.org to let the finance team know. So our generosity is rooted in God's generosity in creation. It is rooted through the story of God's people in the Old Testament. It's rooted in the very beginnings of the early church and reinforced through the pages of the New Testament. And there's an invitation for us all today to reconsider whether we have actually given our whole selves to God, to reflect on where do we have our roots? Are they in money, in material things? Or are they in God, the most extravagant and generous person in the universe? If we choose to give ourselves unreservedly to God, the issue of how much we give from our resources becomes secondary. It's all His. So now it's just a question of how much the Lord would have us live on, and how much he would invite us to part with.